Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Madison Church Online with Exchange. My name is Stephen. I'm a pastor of Madison Church, and we're glad that you are joining us today. And if you're joining us today, whether it's your first time, 10th time, 100th time, whatever it may be, we'd love to invite you to join us in the chat room and just to interact with us and get connected um, that way. And if you are in the chat room already, I have a question for you guys who are already in there. Um, And it's going to be a really easy question for you to answer. Uh, The first question, so I guess I have two questions for you, but the first question is, how many of you are good at math? Or how many of you, maybe it's more accurate to say you think you're good at math. How many of you are good at math? It's okay to admit it if you are. Um, And then there's the rest of us. How many of us are not good at math? That's the majority of us. Um, I have a Bachelor of Science degree And I can tell you my least favorite classes, the classes that I did the worst in were those math classes. I hated it. Now, for the chat room, I have a question for those of you who claim to be the math people in the group, okay? Are you ready for this? If I put a pair of rabbits in a room and that pair of rabbits produced another pair of rabbits every month, And within a month, each new pair of rabbits also produced another pair of rabbits and so on. How many rabbits would we have in the room at the end of the year? We, uh, any guesses? We are really putting those people who said that they were good at math to the test right away. Well, as I mentioned, I'm not good at math. So when you ask me if there were two rabbits in the room and reproducing and all of that, I would have several questions like, is there soft lighting? Maybe there's some candlelight, a smooth jazz version of a popular boys to men song playing in the background. All the important stuff, you know? Uh, Well, anyway, back in the early 1200s, there was a famous mathematician by the name of Leonardo Fibonacci. Fibonacci. And Fibonacci uh, answered the rabbit question, and he went to work crunching the numbers. And here's what he came up with. He said, if those two rabbits just kept reproducing and reproducing, and every rabbit after that reproduced, after one year, they would have 466 rabbits in the room. Well, that's pretty remarkable to go from two to 466 in just a matter of a year. But uh, Leonardo didn't stop there. He kept counting. He said, after two years, though, you'd have 150 thousand rabbits. So just after two years, you've gone from two to 150,000. Six months later, two and a half years into this, you would have over 2.5 million rabbits in the room. That is a lot of rabbits. Uh, It's almost describing like a sci-fi horror movie at that point. But to go from two rabbits to two million in just two years is crazy. And I mentioned the rabbits today um, because as followers of Jesus, we are also called to reproduce disciples of Jesus. The good news for you and I today is that we don't have to create people to make disciples of. We don't have to do that. The world is full of people, so many people who are far from God, interested in God, or spiritually curious that we can come alongside and reproduce ourselves as disciples of Jesus into them. Jesus called us as his followers to make disciples. He doesn't just call us, though. He commands us to make disciples disciples prior to his ascension, but after his death and resurrection, Jesus tells his disciples, God has authorized me and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. 
I will be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. And that's been the passage that we have been breaking down this entire Hero Maker series. This little section of verses is known as the Great Commission. And we've been teaching about how every single believer, every single Christian, whether you're watching or listening and whenever you're doing that, if you are a Christian, every single one of us is called and commanded to be a hero maker. And so often I think that that's largely either ignored in the Christian faith or just completely forgotten about. We think that it's someone else's job somewhere else to carry on the mission of Jesus, but it's not. It's up to you and it's up to me and it's up to us. And this is challenging because we live in a very individualistic culture. It's all about your role, your gifts, and what you want to do. That's what we're told and sold every single day. And while none of those things, those questions aren't inherently wrong, Jesus calls us to a life above and beyond that, above and beyond being the hero in our own story. And so that's why we're doing this series, and we're trying to challenge one another to have a mental shift. A mental shift that I no longer want to be the focal point, the hero in my story, but rather I want to be the hero maker in other people's stories. I want to lift other people up. Well, after we've had that mental shift, what's the first step? And that's what Jason talked about last week, which is that we begin to recognize the potential of the people that God has put all around us. And we boldly speak into their lives through I see in you conversations. Today, I'm continuing it by learning on how are we supposed to live. So you've had this mental shift. You're starting to think like a hero maker. You see people that God has put in your life around you, maybe your kids, a coworker, a friend. Okay, so you've recognized the potential in them. Well, what do we do now? Well, let's go back to Jesus, who is the greatest hero maker of all time. And and long before he gave his disciples the Great Commission, the passage that we're studying, uh, he was sworn by large crowds of people that came from all over the world or all over the world at that time to hear uh, his teaching, to see his miracles and to receive his acceptance. But what's different about Jesus than us today is that the crowds were not Jesus's primary focus. They weren't the focus of his attention or his ministry. Right when Jesus was getting started, we were told that he went up into a mountain to pray. And he prayed to God all night. And at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. At the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, he's got thousands of people all coming to see him. He's got hundreds of people who who are following him. And what he does is he goes off. He has some quiet and alone time where he prays to God and he chooses a very select few that he is going to invest his life in very closely for the next few years. Uh, Jesus spent, some of you guys might find this interesting, Jesus spent 73% of his time in the Gospels with the 12 disciples. There were 46 events in which he was just with the 12 compared to 17 events with big crowds. Jesus was intentional, not just about the quantity of relationships that he had. He certainly had a lot of relationships, but Jesus was intentional about the quality of the relationships he was in. He didn't try to be all things to all people everywhere. Compare that to the society that you and I live in. Uh, It's fast-paced. It's a hurried culture. We have thousands of friends on Facebook and uh, 
as such, many of our friendships are a mile wide, but only an inch deep. We know a lot of people, but we don't know a lot of people. We're connected to a lot of people, but we feel so disconnected to everyone. If we're going to be hero makers, if we're going to do this right, if we're going to do this well, you and I, we have to make an intentional choice to live our lives differently. There isn't a modern day example of how to do it. As I talked about, our culture is hurried and it's all about me. So we're going to have to look at the life of light and legacy of Jesus and his followers in order to continue what they started 2,000 years ago. And what this probably means in short is that we're going to have to stop some activities. We're going to have to quit some of the things that we are involved in that spread us so thin, that give us those wide connections, but leave us with no quality in terms of the relationships that we have in our lives, just like Jesus intentionally did himself. Well, after Jesus prayed and God led him to the 12 people that he was supposed to invest his life in, Jesus then began to share his life with those people, with those guys. There's an easily overlooked verse in John chapter 3. I'm going to read it to you because there's something profound in it. Uh, John writes that Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there baptizing people. Now, again, if you're using the Bible app or reading in a real Bible, this seems like one of those filler verses that gets you from one story to the next. Jesus left Jerusalem and went to the Judean countryside. But something really important actually happens in this verse, and it says that Jesus spent some time with them there. He spent some time with his disciples. Uh, In the original language, Greek, and I don't do this very often, but sometimes it really is quite profound to figure out what a word meant and and why did the author choose that word. And in this particular verse, it's the word diatribo. Diatribo. It's a composite of two Greek words, dia, which means against, and tribo, which means to rub. Diatribo literally means in English to rub up against or to rub off on. In the context of this passage, it describes how Jesus spent time with his disciples. It wasn't just about minutes, hours, days, or weeks, but rather it was about the quality of time that they had with each other rubbing off on one another. And you already know how diatribo works. When you spend enough time with uh, certain people, you begin to rub off on each other. You start talking like each other. You pick up similar interests. You laugh at the same jokes. You care about the same kind of things. Um, You become more and more like each other. That's how diatribo works. It's not that complex of a concept to understand. And so when we read that Jesus had spent time with his disciples, he was rubbing up against them and and rubbing off on one another. And it was through diatribo that these disciples, his first followers, turned the world upside down. But what about you? Do you diatribo? Are there people that you're spending a lot of time with and investing in and so that your life is being shared with them and, and their life is being shared with you? I can imagine you have a couple objections. I mean, you're not saying that now because we're online in a chat room. I imagine if somebody really disagreed with what I'm saying, they just closed the browser, but you're still here. You're still listening. And if we were having this conversation, say, in person at a coffee shop, I could imagine you having a couple different objections. And first first objection might be that you'd say, I am not spiritually mature enough 
to do the things that you're talking about. I'm not spiritually mature enough to be a hero maker, to which I would reply to you if we were in person, but I'll just do it now. Um, if you're thinking you're not mature enough, you're mature enough. If you're aware, aware enough that you're like, man, I'm, I'm not sure if I can do this, great. Because all of us come up short in so many ways. And that's when God comes in and fills in the gap and helps us do the things that he has called us to do. You don't have to know the Bible inside and out, speak Greek or Hebrew, spend hours a day praying or fasting. You don't even have to pass a test to do the things that we're talking in this series. God has put good stuff in you. Some of you need to hear that again. God has put good things in you. God doesn't make a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. You are not a mistake. God has wired you with unique passions and abilities. You are unlike anyone else who has ever lived. God has a vision for your life. God has a vision for how you will be in the world. God has a vision for how you will be in the church. And maybe the reason that you don't feel very fulfilled in life is because you're not living out those complete purposes and ideas that God has for you. God has great things for you. God has put great things inside of you. I want to talk about how Peter writes it, one of Jesus's uh, early apprentices. He says, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. And this is what we call in the church world the priesthood of all believers, to which Sarah will talk about more next week. But what it means for us today is that if you're a believer, you're a priest. You can talk to God. God can talk to you. That can happen anywhere, anytime. You don't have to go through a priest like they had to in the Old Testament. You don't have to go to a certain temple to connect with God. It can happen right now in your car or at your home, whether you're watching on a tablet or listening on a smartphone. God is with you. And because God is in you, whenever you're diatriboing, if that's a verb we can make, um, with others, God will rub off on other people. If God is in you, And as you rub off on other people, God will rub off on them. Have you ever thought about it in terms like that? As your friendships, your coworkers, and your neighbors, as you rub off on each other, God can rub off on them. I do think you are absolutely ready for this. If you're thinking, I'm not, that's okay, you are. And God will be with you through that. Now, there's another objection I'm sure is floating around in your heads, and this is a very popular one. Um, It's the, I don't have time to do what you're saying, which was way more believable six months ago, right? I mean, what are you doing nowadays, okay? Seriously, though, I get it. Our lives are packed full of responsibilities and activities, and when a space does open up in your calendar, when a space opens up in your schedule, what do you do? You fill it with more responsibilities or activities, right? I mean, that's what we all do. Whenever a space opens up, we we take on more. But diatribo doesn't have to be something that we add to our schedules. It doesn't have to be something new. It can 
be things that we're already doing. We're just going to do them differently. A shared life is a life that is lived as we go along our basic everyday activities. Now, I know that this is a little bit more complicated nowadays in the era of social distancing and a COVID-19 pandemic. It does get a little bit more complicated, but um, I believe in your ability to creatively do this in a safe and responsible manner. Um, I've been golfing a lot this year. And this is kind of my example of how I've been doing this. been golfing a lot this year. Now, the, the couple years prior to this one, I didn't really have any golfing buddies. So whenever I went, I would just go by myself, which I like golf, but it is way more fun with friends. And so last year I invited Judd to come with me and then Rebecca started coming along. And this year we've added Dan to our group. And so now we have like a golf group within the church. And and when we're out there on golf carts or walking, we spend hours. I mean, a round of golf could last anywhere from two to four or five hours. And we're not checking cell phones. We're just focused on playing the game and, and rubbing off on one another. We've gotten to spend countless hours this week um, or countless hours this year doing that. As a matter of fact, Rebecca and I split the cost of some coaching lessons together. And one of the things that our instructor said on the very first day was that there were a lot of similarities in our swing. Well, of course there was because Rebecca and I golf a lot together. So we're watching each other golf. Of course, we're going to rub off on each other and pick up some good and and some not good things. She'll blame her slice on me. I'll blame my slice on her, for example. Um, and, and when we're out on the golf course, we talk about everything. We talk about politics, faith, life, God, family, friends, um, just everything. Things that come up as you spend time with people, not hurried. Judd has invited a neighbor and, and neighbors to join him and us. And sometimes we're paired with people we don't know. And almost every time comes up as we're introducing ourselves. Hey, I'm Steven. Hey, I'm Dan. Hey, I'm Rebecca. Hey, I'm Judd. And as we introduce ourselves, the next kind of question is, well, are you from Madison? What brought you to Madison? What do you do here? And that's when I get to tell people that I start churches. And that always leads to more conversations about, well, that's interesting. I, don't, I didn't know people grew up to start churches. And, and why would you do that? And so Again, I, I don't think that being a hero maker necessarily has to be this big ordeal that you got to carve out a day of a week to just focus on it. I think you just got to be intentional and creative about including people in on your life. I know you're busy and I know we have a pandemic outside. I'm not asking you to be reckless or irresponsible, but I'm saying, can you be creative in including the people that God has put around you in your life so that you can die a trebo together to rub off on one another? Would you imagine what we could do in Madison or Green Bay or wherever you're watching from? Would you imagine what we could do if each of us lived as a hero maker? Let's say that right now watching, there are 100 people connected to this service. Um, it could be a member, guest, regular, you know, your spouse, kids, whoever you're watching or listening. Well, let's say that there are 100 of us watching. What kind of difference could we make if we all decided to be a hero maker? And instead of like two rabbits that are reproducing every single month, what if we said over the course of just one year, 12 months, 52 weeks, 365 days, what if over the course of one year, you were able to just reproduce one person, one disciple of Jesus? What would that look like? And, and let's sandbag our numbers a little bit and say that out of the hundred of you or so watching or listening, only half of you are going to take me seriously and do this. Let's say there are 50. Well, I ran the numbers so we don't have to guess. After one year, 50 of us took this challenge seriously. There would be 100 
and 50 of us living as hero makers. After two years, there'd be 225 of us in Madison who are following Jesus. In five years, just the middle of 2025, we would jump up to around 760 believers being a bright light in this city. What about in 10 years? Let's do that just for fun. If in 10 years, 50 people decided to take this seriously this year, in 10 years, we would have 5,750 people connecting with God and each other. Well, what does this mean? If we continue to follow it 10 years and decade after decade, what it means is that in my lifetime and probably in yours, we could see every single person in Madison who's here now and every single person who moves here as time goes on find a life-giving relationship with Jesus. If only 50 of us took this challenge seriously. And I know you're saying, well, that sounds a little bit unrealistic, but let me remind you that if you're a believer today, that is how our movement started. It started with one guy investing in 12 guys who continue to take the challenge of reproducing heroes and hero makers seriously. And it has gone on and on and on. And now it is our turn. It, it is our generation's turn to step up and step into that light and to be hero makers and to help people who are far from God find God. People who have been disconnected, reconnected with God. Every single one of us is called to intentionally make and reproduce disciples wherever we go. Will we do it? And if we do do it, know that we will change the world. Let's pray. Lord, transform my life. Help me to live like you live and realize that I'm called not to be a hero, but to be a hero maker. Amen.